You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 340. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandcuttleballs.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer, and I am here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper. And today we're going to be talking about fashion, since so many of you really want to know all the details about about my leggings. Um, No, Stephanie's going to be mostly talking about fashion as per special request. We're also going to be talking about the delicate balance of exercise and maintaining a healthy period. All the things you can do to improve immune function and reduce your susceptibility to getting sick and decrease symptoms when you do hold on to your pants because there is a lot of them and uh, the best ways to detox. Before we jump in, this podcast is here today because of Element. I am so thankful for Element because it has radically improved the way I feel uh, and my performance and my energy in workouts, especially all throughout this past summer. Um, if you are not supplementing with electrolytes, especially if you are active, you are likely deficient in a number of important minerals that are needed for you to feel amazing. So water absorption in your body is dependent upon key electrolytes like sodium, magnesium, and potassium. And you lose those electrolytes when you sweat. And then we also lose it when we go to the bathroom. And electrolytes have to be replaced through our diet and through supplementation. And when you're following a whole foods diet that's really low in sodium, you can become chronically deficient in electrolytes and feel really crappy um, during workouts. You can also feel dizzy. You can have muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, uh, sleep disturbances. Um, And if you feel that way during the day or maybe even just on workout days, electrolyte replacement will have a dramatic impact on how you feel and perform. I have been taking electrolyte replacement for years. Uh, I, you know, used to do endurance training and I worked in the running industry. And historically, electrolytes are loaded with additives and sugar and fillers. Now I take drink element, so it's LMNT, on workout days, and I absolutely love it. I've been able to maintain a much higher intensity of workouts. I'm wondering if that was kind of the reason why I sucked so bad last summer, among other reasons. But um, I've been able to incorporate more intensity and strength training in the summer, and I really don't have any issues with dizziness. Like I used to, when I was going from seated to standing, I would get dizzy, um, I would get cramps, and I would just be fatigued. So Drink Element, what they do is they make these grab-and-go electrolyte replacement supplementation. So you just take a packet and mix it up with water and sip. There is no sugar, gluten fillers, artificial ingredients, and it is paleo-friendly. They have a wide variety of flavors. Right now, I'm very much into citrus and raspberry. Um, Really, the flavor depends on what type of workout I had. So if I have you know, did a more hard bike. I'll, I want something more sweet like watermelon. And just as a tip, when you're drinking it, mix it with about 16 ounces of ice water. And as it starts to get a little too concentrated or salty at the end, just add a little bit more water and then sip as you need. Um, Element is actually doing free sample boxes. If you go to drinklmnt.com slash wellfed, all you'll have to do is pay for shipping, which is a pretty minimal fee. 
but you can get a free sample box so you can try all the flavors. That's something they're doing just for our community. So drinklmnt.com forward slash well-fed and then click get yours. Hello, Stephanie. Ah, hi. Are you there? <laughs> Hello. Hello. Uh, I appreciate you uh, letting me just mess up and talk to myself. <laughs> We're doing great. On the, on the first try. I was I'm like, on a chillaxy taxi. Okay, great. Today. Yeah. Chillaxy taxi. Well, I mean, so, okay, Noelle and I, we had some technical difficulties getting on the <laughs> call. And so this happens. Issues. It happens from time to time, you know, but like anything that sort of, you know what, like disrupts your plans or gets in the way or like wasn't anticipated. You could, I could stress out about it or I can just be like, okay, like I'm, you know, like, okay, okay, fine. You know, I'm going to, going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. (laughs) I'm going to accept the, you know, whatever tiny change it's made to my day and just like continue to be super grateful that. Like, I have the opportunity to talk to Noelle every once in a while, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, I'm on the chillaxy taxi. I'm good. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah, good. That that makes me feel good. Yeah, I'm happy to live in this country. Um, I'm happy to have internet. And mm. I'm happy to be talking with you. So, all is okay. Uh, it was pretty frustrating, though, in the moment because, you know, I'm coming yep. to talk to you and my computer just has a brain fart, doesn't really want to work. So I couldn't get the call recorder to work. I restarted my computer and all. so many of you know what this is like. You, you restart your computer to try to like, okay, let's clear out the bugs. And it's like, I am doing a 37 minute update and I'm going to get stuck. And then you're like, uh, like literally had a meeting 10 minutes ago. So it's, it's virtual life, I guess. But, um, I don't usually have that problem. And of course, yeah. this morning I did. So, and then I totally screwed up the intro. I like just was like, no, nope, need to start over. So anyway, here we are. That this was a here this was sort of successful. Um, what I'm really interested in is to know about your fashion because last time we talked, I actually jokingly was like, you should talk more about fashion because you're always showing your shoes and stuff like that. And now you're. You're kind of showing more of your style, which is really hip. And the young kids also think so, according to your Instagram stories. So um, Ashley Main actually, and then Ashley Main from our Facebook group was like, wardrobe talk, Steph needs to share her tips. So everything just kind of fell in place. And I was like, we need to talk about fashion. <laughs> so we're in our 30s now. You know, I, I feel like, and I don't know where you used to shop when you were you know, in high school or your 20s. But for me, it was all about Forever 21 and Charlotte Russe and, you know, very cheap, what do they call fast fashion, Um, H&M, like that sort of stuff. I would try to get the cheapest tops, you know, possible and try to get as many as possible. And now, you know, things are different. (laughs) Things are a little different. Oh, things are a little different. Body, your body changes. You find you really just want like one good pair of jeans or two really good pair of jeans. And like you don't need a whole bunch of styles that are cheap. You you like you're willing to spend a little bit more, more money on like one solid good, you know, X. So how, where are you shopping now? And then, you know, give us your your fashion tips. <laughs> okay. Well, to start, I hate to be pedantic, but who am I kidding? I love to be pedantic. Um, 
So uh, fashion tends to refer to like what's fashionable. It's a society-wide thing, whereas style is, I think, these are how the words are often used. Mm-hmm. Style is refers sure. to your personal personality or, or whatever, and your what have you. So I have a, I have a relationship with fashion, but I would, you know, my my primary interest isn't in, isn't in style, and I would just start by saying that I have been horrible at this my entire life. And whenever I say this to people, they're like, "Oh no, no, you haven't." Oh, yes, yes, I absolutely, <laughs> absolutely have. I just. Absolutely. Anybody who knows what my original websites look like know that I'm just <laughs> intrinsically. Noelle laughs because she knows I'm intrinsically. Yeah, I have always been just really bad at, you know, some people have that intuitive understanding of what looks good. And I never have always terrible at it. Uh, just sort of wrapped up in, in like, I don't know. I just never get I just never gave it the time of day. So I tried. I tried, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um Anyway, and then I realized that this, like anything else that you might not have a natural inclination for, is a sort of set of skills that can be learned. So I set out to learn about it. And I actually hired some consultants to uh, tell me their perspective on what sorts of colors, shapes, styles, etc. would would suit me. Um, You did? Like recently? Yeah. So during lockdown. So (laughs) like all throughout lockdown, I was... I was thinking about life your, after your style. Okay, life after <laughs> right. and, and and my style because I couldn't. Sure, I couldn't go out. Normally, I would just go out and dance and flirt and what, and I couldn't. So I I did things <laughs> that would sort of like be kind of related to that, but like but alone. And it was a good time to experiment to clean out my closet. So yeah, I I hired some people. And there's plenty of people out there um, who do color consulting and wardrobe consulting and that sort of thing. So I hired some. Uh, and got to understand like the shape of my face and the various kinds of color influences and decide on a palette. So anyway, where do I shop? Um, was your initial question? <laughs> so you just de- hold on, hold on. So you decided on a palette. Was this based yeah. on your personal coloring, like your hair and all that kind of stuff, and your skin tone, or was it based on more of like your preferences, what you like, your mood, that sort of thing? Right. So I have come to believe very strongly, I have strong feelings about this, um, that all of the clothes in my wardrobe should match each other. I Like a capsule wardrobe. Sure. Yes. Because because if they match, it's kind of like multiplying a bunch of numbers together, whatever. Like if they match me, they should match each other. Like it's all coherent. And the way I look will never, like it's always going to be the same unless I dyed my hair or whatever. And so I've got warm tones in my hair and in my skin, but I've got cool tones in my skin also because I, right. I blush a lot and, and red is, you know, like that. And you, you we need to pay attention. <laughs> if you're interested in color theory, uh, warm, cool is something to pay attention to. And also like the degree to which there's um, like gray or mutedness in in your, your coloration, right? So whenever you have a hue, say you have the color spectrum in in orange you can do three things to it you can add pure white you could add pure black or you could add some degree of gray right so and and you can do that with every single tone or hue or what have you and uh turns out my my eyes have a little bit of gray in them and Mm -hmm. they're a little bit grayed and so i ended up concluding that i do best with a warmer palette but that's slightly muted and everything I own 
goes with that, like period, <laughs> everything yeah. I um, and I, I feel at home in my skin in a way that I never did before. And I used to like not like fashion because I hated the way that it changed every season and you had to buy stuff and you were, you know, trying to match yourself to what was cool and stuff. Not like I don't do that a little bit now because I do, but I just always felt aversive to it because I was trying to use it to feel good about myself but didn't know how. Mm-hmm. And now that I like understand like the shape of my body and the shape of my face and like all of these different things the clothes that I have feel like me and I feel like they, they bring out me and they compliment me and people start, I, like I said, like the youths, like that's what you know, (laughs) people who are 20 are like, I totally dig your outfit. You know, a couple of uh, uh, people working at a coffee shop who were around 20, I'm guessing the other day, a handful of them behind the counter were like, Oh, this about your outfit and this about your outfit. And, um, I think a part of that has to do with the fact that I'm I'm choosing um, colors and cuts that are suited to me and also, you know, leaning into fashion a little bit. Uh, but this also means when I invest in like the one thing I like, that's like it and it's, it's going to be there. And in terms of tips, like something I always ask myself is, is this item going to elevate my wardrobe or am I just kind of buying it on a whim or is it going to like – if I could assess my wardrobe or give it a value of like nine out of 10 in terms of how satisfied I am, is it going to bring me up to a 9.2 or is it going to bring me down to an 8.8 because there's something about it I don't like, or it's not as fulfilling as the other things I have. And should I be getting all of my personal satisfaction in life from clothes? No, (laughs) this is a small percentage (laughs) of my satisfaction in life, but it is something that I think and care about. And, you know, I go out dancing and Right. I'm I'm very, very single. Right. So like um so yeah, so so I think about those things and, and I try not to buy clothes where I have to make a compromise. Sometimes I I would buy things in the past and be like, Oh, I really like this cup, but I don't like this color. And then I would like yeah. kinda hate to put it on because it doesn't make me feel great about myself, you know? Um so anyway, so that's how I feel about fashion. I um I do a lot of my shopping. I just <laughs> I got a bag in the mail last night that I knew was going to be perfect. It's exactly the perfect color because I'm again I'm obsessed with color. I do a lot of shopping on Poshmark, which is uh, people reselling their own stuff, and so yeah. I like that because it helps the people I'm buying from. It is slightly more sustainable because it it does take packaging, but you know, you're not creating a new product. And so I I do a lot of my shopping there. I do like going to malls and I will on occasion buy some things. Um, One store that I really love the clothes at, like not everything, but a lot of things I I really like urban outfitters. (laughs) I really like urban outfitters a lot. Um, And uh, it's part of the youthful part of my wardrobe. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, and other places too, you know, um, and like, a, you know, if I want a tweed jacket, I'll look in Scotland for places that make tweed jackets or that's what I was doing when mm-hmm. I lived in the UK, right? Like, so anyway, 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 that's, um, that's, uh, yeah, that's the thing. And the tweed jackets that I have, I will have forever. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like, you made me reflect a little bit on, because I am like a haphazard shopper where I'm like, oh, I like this, or I make a lot of compromises. I think I think as women, we do this a lot because especially of like changing body shapes and sizes and stuff like that, where if we find something that we're finally like, oh, this fits good, we're, we're like, but I don't like the color, but it's okay because it fits good. <laughs> um, we're, and, mm-hmm. and I've kind of been doing that a lot 
uh, you know, it throughout my life and I went through a season of just like massive body changes. I think a lot of women in their 30s, like this is where I'm at. It's like I, I looked in my closet and I'm like, nothing really fits and everything's from like, coll- you know, like it took me a while to just say, I don't even like this. Even if I've only worn it once, like you got this because of X, Y, and Z reason or it fit in the moment and now it doesn't. And so it's okay to get rid of it. And so I am kind of trying to move on with my life now in that way. I have sold a lot of stuff on Poshmark. I love that. Um, And I've bought a few pieces too. The problem with that is like, I never know how something's going to fit. And so I kind of have to know how it's going to fit or if, you know, had it before, if it's a brand that I'm familiar with before I would, I would buy something again. But I have sold the majority of my pregnancy clothes and just a lot of, you know, random stuff that you do you use you use for a season even like a lot of breastfeeding tops and stuff like that that you use only a handful of times and I'm like what am I going to do with these so Poshmark's been pretty awesome for that um but now I you know I've oddly enough through the last year I kind of was like okay like I need to find some jeans that I like and I did uh you know Liverpool is an amazing brand and they make pull-on jeans that don't have a button. Like, where has that been all my life? So now that I found jeans that I absolutely love, and people compliment me on them all the time. So it's like, when you find something that you love, people are like, oh, those fit you great. I'm like, I know, right? Like, get some. They're pull-on jeans. Here's the brand. But I have spent more time. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I would never. (laughs) You have. It's like I'm like so excited about these like extra nerdy jeans. (laughs) (laughs) They're awesome. I mean, they're like. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're super. Thing. I love it. It's, it's, it's like, super cool. high waisted. It's like the jeans that you showed me. That's what they remind me of. Except they don't have like, they, you don't have to zip them up and button them. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know those like super tight high waisted jeans that I was like, your butt looks really good. So they're those. Yes. That looks like, yeah. So they, they don't even look like jeans because they don't have a yeah zipper. Right? Do they have a fake zipper? No. Okay, I'm looking at okay. them right now. Uh, well, so I mean, it looks exact. It looks like it should have it, but it doesn't. Like it's got the flap there. Okay. <laughs> People look them up. I promise you, <laughs> they're they're an investment, but they're worth it. Um, I got you know, I got I got a lot of like I've just spent some time trying to figure out what what do I like and what and being willing to like send things back. And I do think the internet has made that easier because we can try things on and send them back, but. I I kind of just shop randomly. I do shop at um with Stitch Fix. They have a shop feature. I don't like getting the boxes of curated clothes where people send me clothes. That's never really worked out for me. What I use is like a shop feature where you can like say, I want to try these and then they just send them to you and then you send you can send them back, you know, free shipping both ways or whatever. And so I found a lot of tops that way. I don't have a capsule wardrobe, but um I do feel much better about like my clothes now in my 30s moving forward and like you said my I think when you find the right colors like I'm I'm more of like a little bit more olive-ish I get very dark tan I have really dark hair I mean my hair is like dark dark brown which you know some nice grays are coming in but that those darker features really lends towards like a warm like colors that a lot of people don't do well with which is like yellow, (laughs) like warm yellow looks really great on me and like warm pink. And so I do a lot of those colors. And um, when I find something like that, I really, you're right. Like when you have the right color, it's like, I'm having a really good hair day. It's like, no, you're wearing, you're just wearing good colors. (laughs) Um, 
So I like that. Those are really great, great tips. And yeah, I yeah. never wear bad colors anymore. If something's even just a little bit not right, like I mm-hmm. bought this pink jumper. I really loved pink sweater. <laughs> I really loved. And it was just a little bit too cool. And I like, I gave it to a friend. I was like, I'm going to be able to find something that's a little bit warmer. And every time I put it on, I'm going to be like, bang. And I feel great. That's great. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. No, I, I get. And I think I think you deserve that. You know, it's nobody has time to just wear things that they hate anymore. And I think for women who, you know, if your body has changed a lot and you're a different size, it's hard to, like, get all new stuff, but just start slowly Find things that fit well and, you know, go that direction. You don't have to keep wearing stuff that that doesn't fit well or right or doesn't make you feel, like, comfortable. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, question number one is from Rose. Uh, she says, hey, girls, thank you so much for your podcast advice. I've sifted through many of this them at this point, probably listened to every single one that has some semblance of amenorrhea, period, or hormones in the title. <laughs> Love the approach you guys take. I used to have HA. I was running six to seven miles a day on top of some strength training sprinkled in, and you know how the story goes. I would exercise for an hour and a half, use the sauna, intermittent fast, all the things I thought were healthy for everyone, read men. My period went missing while I was still on the pill, so I got off the pill and went on a mission to get my period back. Eventually, by January of this year, my period came back for the first time in a year. I didn't do any exercise really for the first three months of getting my period back, and I slowly started with two days a week, and I've started to run again, but now they're longer they are no longer than three and a half miles max. My period to regular first, first few months were 33 days long, but last month it was 43, and this month it hasn't arrived. I feel lost. I don't want to restart. I feel like I'm not doing too much exercise. I do some light yoga. I would honestly like to run more. I still love running so much, and it pains me not to be able to do it as freely as I please. I alternate running and strength training, and I'm making a, uh, such a conscious effort to eat after I exercise and not be in an energy deficit for the day, which I which I used to. I've lost about six pounds since starting to run again. Thought I was on the right track. I've been increasing my exercise over the past two months to finally reach five days a week. It's not as intense. It's just like I can't do it right. I'm also on a specific carbohydrate diet to manage my Crohn's disease, and I've been on the diet since 2018. Obviously, my sources of carbs are limited, but I eat a lot of plantains and apples. I've always wondered if my issue had to do with starchy carbs specifically, but now I'm not sure if I was introducing too much exercise back in, and that's why my cycle is going wonky. Do I cut out all exercise again? I'd love to hear from you girls. I feel like I must be missing a piece of the puzzle. Thank you so much for everything you guys do. Hi, Rose. Um, thank you for thank you for this question. I it's very interesting. I I have said I know I have said this on the podcast before. Um, I think I have, and maybe you know you talked about listening to some episodes. I personally spent so much time thinking, well, maybe it's this and maybe it's that, maybe it's this. And it's important to entertain all the variables. Uh, I do this for so many, for all of the health things that I'm troubleshooting. I like to check all the variables. But I will also say that if something looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it waddles like a duck, it's 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 probably a duck, right? So... Uh, and I, I think I've, I've, I've probably I overuse the duck analogy whenever I'm answering any kind of question. <laughs> um, it's bound to happen after six and a half years. Yeah. yeah. So, um, okay. So some things. Uh, three months I don't think is that long. Uh, I for recovering 
with respect to anything. I recently had shin splints and or something else funny going on with my shin. And I had just discovered running and I had fallen in love with it. And it is better now. That was you know, four months ago. And that was a shin splint and not like a major issue or like systemic, you know, something tied to a lot of body systems. Um, we hear a lot of stories of people dealing with amenorrhea and exercise and that sort of thing. And three months is, is quite quick. I do, I want to elevate uh, why, <laughs> uh, what's involved in your body coping with having perhaps undereaten and or overexercised for an extended period of time. There are three main, I'll call them like buckets or, or systems or types of things in your body going on that are maybe offline and need to come back online. One is hormones. Uh, and we we know this. Hormones uh, run in feedback loops, right? Your body learns to produce a certain amount based on your current situation, how much you're eating or not eating, how much you're exercising or not exercising. And gets into these habits and these feedback loops are complicated and intertwined and the body will become kind of like entrenched in them uh, the longer they go on. And then when you start changing the circumstances, the environment, the habits that you have, all of these little interlocking bits need to come online and they're dependent on each other. And if some of them are lagging relative to others, like the system just, it takes time to become robust and for all of the pieces to communicate with each other the way that they might more ideally be communicating with one another, right? You might see a spike in uh, estrogen production early on because of various factors, but progesterone might take a little bit longer. And so the system is still delicate, even if you're seeing signs of it sort of coming back online, perhaps. You know, I'm not saying this is the case for everybody, but generally. Uh, two, your nutrient status. If you have been under eating, if you have been on the, uh, you know, on oral contraceptives, uh, these can impact nutrient status. Under eating impacts nutrient status. Being stressed all the time actually uses nutrients and so can impact nutrient status. And, and especially if you're dealing with autoimmune conditions or one especially that impacts your digestive processes, right? And so nutrients are very important for your body to sustain itself in, in all of the ways, hormones and everything and uh, neurotransmitter production, everything. So uh, nutrient status can take a very long time to come back online uh, because there's a lot of nutrients and it's unless you do a lot of very rigorous testing and even then, you know, I'm not so sure. Um, there's a lot of different nutrients and it's hard to know what you may be deficient in or not and uh, how much you are absorbing or not uh, as as you're, you, you generally speaking, you know, as one is working to uh, overcome these things. And so, uh, that takes time. And third and finally is your adrenals and your stress response, which also becomes habituated, you know, very much like the hormone systems. And they're, of course, intertwined. All of these systems are intertwined. Um, but if you ran on excess cortisol for a long time, uh, three months isn't, I don't think, really uh, enough time to unlearn it. Uh, and another point, which is related to this, and I'll, I'll just sort of jump on, uh, which is that two days off a week is is not a lot of days off a week. Um I know that's hard to hear. I have a similar, <laughs> have experienced a similar difficulty with coffee because I kept telling myself I would take certain amounts of days off a week and then I, I wouldn't because I enjoy it so much. <laughs> um, and I'll talk more about my journey with coffee another time because I, I 
I'm troubleshooting it. But like, so um, I understand and you love running and I get that. I, I like, I really, really do. And I understand that you're doing a lot less than you were before compared to a baseline relaxation, trying to help the body relearn, you know, these certain systems. Uh, it is a lot. It's a, when you exercise, uh, your body, you know, it elevates cortisol, it, it elevates adrenaline, like it, it does that thing. And if you're doing it once a day, your body has to deal with that once a day. And yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's like you're, you're doing five out of seven days having your body go through that process while at the same time attempting to relax and have it sort of unlearn the habits it has around that process. Um, so yeah, I would recommend tentatively what I would do, <laughs> um, depending on how important it was for me to, you know, get my period back and, and what time frame, you know, how quickly, um, generally speaking, I might say I would uh, if I really wanted to keep running, I would take it down to less than half of the days, right? Because right now you're definitely over more than half. I would do less than half of the days. And I know like three is technically less than half, but maybe two. <laughs> uh, and I would also say perhaps look for an activity that isn't as consistently energetically and adrenally demanding, right? So I know only running a few miles, but that's a few miles where your cortisol is like thrumming for that amount of time. Uh, maybe something can give you that kind of feeling of, of exercising the dopamine or whatever that's going in your system without being as, you know, impact or adrenally uh, demanding as, as running. So maybe like a 30 minute Zumba something, maybe, uh, you know, a, a quick, maybe a ballet class, maybe, uh, some kind of yoga, maybe Pilates, like it's just uh, kickboxing, something that's not quite as intense as running um, that still feels like you're moving, you know, or just walking quickly, walking uphill, maybe. Anyway, so these are some things that that I would um, that I that I would think about. And I, like I said, like I think it's important, you know, to consider all the variables. Could it maybe be your carbs? I I personally wouldn't wouldn't guess um, if it wouldn't guess that that would be the case, but uh, you know, I, it could be, <laughs> yeah, I respect keeping that in mind. And, um, you know, caffeine also like it's an adrenal thing. And so it's, it's worth playing with. But like I said, you know, when something seems like it seems like it might be a duck, it's, it very well may be the duck. Okay. So yeah, I think, I think as women, we, or just as people, <laughs> like when we're struggling with something and, <sighs> you know, we want to get back to wherever it was when we weren't struggling. We always think, okay, well, I just need to get back to this spot. If I can just get back to, you know, this weight or, you know, I'm just going to like pause and I'll get my period back and then I can just start going back to what I was doing before. And it, I, unfortunately, health just doesn't work that way. And I think, Stephanie, you did a great job of explaining like all of these things have to come back online. Your body has to be sufficiently, you know, restored with nutrients because chronically under eating, you know, the 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 period going missing was is always a war it's always a warning sign. But it's it's a warning sign that's kind of down the road. It's not something that happens right away. And so the things that happened right away are more of the things now that you're going to start 
trying to work on a little bit more over time, like restoring your nutrient status and, you know, teaching your body that it is not, it's, you know, doesn't need to be stressed and really nourishing your adrenals, which can take a long time, unfortunately, and working on hormone balance and making sure that hormones have sufficient uh, precursor nutrients and that you're eating enough fat and that you have enough fat cells and your that your body's producing estrogen and your body knows like hey okay like we're we're good here there's not a major nutrient imbalance where there's too much going out and not enough coming in like that just is going to take some time and so unfortunately this is like not simple but simple you've got to reduce your exercise and find a different I would not recommend five days a week probably for the next few years. Um, I would stop at three days a week, maybe four. And just like, you know, Stephanie made great recommendations, walking, swimming, dancing, that sort of stuff. Um, If you want to maybe experiment with running one day a week, maybe. But what I would do is bring in all the other workout uh, activities first that are not high intensity and not running. So see, you know, make sure you're eating sufficiently. The the weight loss again, where all of a sudden you lost six pounds from where your period got back. I think that's another warning sign. So your body was like, oh, here we go. Weight's coming off again. And I think that that's what happens. So try to be very gentle with your exercise. You know, do that for three months to work out three times a week and do very gently stuff, gentle stuff, <laughs> gentle workouts and see how you feel. Reassess. Okay, how, where are we now? Are my cycles still around 33 days? Am I? Do I know I'm ovulating? Has anything changed? No? Good. Okay, now I'm going to make sure that I'm eating enough. I might bring in like another day. You may find that you reassess at six months and bring in that fourth workout a week. Now your cycles are 35 days, 37 days, and you lost a few pounds again. So you just have to go very, very slowly and reassess. And whenever you're dealing with a health-related condition and it's being impacted and you're trying to figure out how to bring in exercise again. So this happens a lot with people dealing with adrenal dysfunction, hypothalamic amenorrhea, um, even autoimmune disease. You know, you've got to just be very, very slow and incremental. Three months is actually not no time at all so just do it in three months three month increments and by the end of you know six months nine months 12 months you'll have a really good idea of where where, where's a happy medium for you where you can kind of exist have your health have your period and also still be doing some workout and exercise that you love so okay question number two is from katie she says back to school tips i'm sending my first baby off to kindergarten next week What are some healthy habits to make sure we uh, reduce the chances of getting sick? Any quick plant-based lunches to pack or snacks? Um, Yes. Um, reducing, reducing your chances of getting sick is, can be very complicated. I've gone through periods in my life where I got sick a lot (laughs) and I have gone through periods in which I was felt very confident. Right. And, um, and that has to, that has to do with a lot. I think I'd put really high up there, uh, stress management and sleep. Uh, I think having cultivating hygiene practices for yourself and the people you live with, uh, depending on how important it is that people, you know, in the house don't get sick could be really great. Setting a standard for 
you know, we'll walk in the door, sanitize hands and phone, right? <laughs> uh, never, don't forget, don't forget the phone because we touch those constantly. So, um, is this, doing those things uh, could be could be you know very good for uh, the community and for people you know whoever whoever inhabits the house together. Um, and then of course uh, there's there's food and there's supplements. Uh, generally speaking, things that things that are anti like you want to take care of your immune system, and that means you want to make sure that it's not running too hot is how I think of it, or not running too cold. And I, by that, you could also understand it better, I suppose, by thinking like overreacting or underreacting. You want your immune system to be able to appropriately respond to threats, to pathogens. Uh, and that means it needs to have the resources it needs to operate, right? It needs to be like tough enough to do the job. At the same time, you don't want your immune system to overreact, right? So if you're in a state of chronic inflammation or you are missing some key nutrients, your immune system may end up overreacting to an outside stimulus because it it doesn't have what it needs to modulate the immune response in, in a way that would be ideal. And so you end up feeling sicker than you might otherwise responding to the same threat because your immune system is just a constant, is on overdrive. It's like, ah, right? So um, in terms of powering your immune system, I think having a healthy gut flora population is just, it's huge. It's just huge, massive. Um, so uh, doing what you can for your gut bugs is is really important. Uh, that means uh, avoiding things that might hurt your gut bugs. So uh, inflammatory foods, perhaps. Uh, fake sugars can feed a lot of negative bacteria. Just throwing that out there. It's a very common thing these days. Uh, you know, it's in chewing gums and stuff. Um, artificially sweetened things. Um, so you don't want to feed them like too many or even just too many like aboundingly simple sugars if it's not paired with, you know, the nutrients and the fiber that might otherwise help it. Um, so soluble fiber is also great, uh, really great for uh, your gut bugs, which can be found in, you know, plenty of fruits and vegetables and, and starchy, you know, starchy veggies for sure. Um, and probiotic and prebiotic foods, right? So kimchi, fermented vegetables of all sorts, uh, sauerkraut, um, kefir, uh, anything that's kind of obviously fermented uh, is definitely a probiotic food. A prebiotic food is the kind of stuff that bacteria like to eat. Um, and so onions are on that list. Um, Jerusalem artichokes, uh, oddly enough, a very fun uh, prebiotic food. Of course, like all kinds of fiber um can can serve in that way, but those are some those are some standout ones. Um, and what else? Making sure your immune system is is good to go, uh, like a nutrient rich diet. <laughs> I love uh, egg yolks and liver, and so I eat so <laughs> I eat so many green vegetables and so many berries. Um, I eat tons of raw turmeric and ginger. I put it in a salad or stir fry every day. Um, and uh, those things are also very helpful for modulating your immune system. Um, and then of course, uh, vitamin D3 is great. Vitamin C, uh, zinc, huge. Um, and now I've sort of transitioned into, um, talking about making sure your immune system doesn't overreact. Um, zinc actually, uh, is really important for making sure your immune system doesn't overreact, which is why it is, has become popular and deservedly so. 
um, to take zinc after you started getting sick. Uh, it's been shown in studies to reduce the duration of the common cold and, and stuff like that, um, precisely because uh, it help it helps your body sort of modulate the symptoms that you're experiencing. Um, it's something that in my family we do like this. <laughs> the second you start feeling a little bit of something, somebody will call you and be like, like "Hey, are you taking your zinc?" <laughs> um, so, and you can also, of course, do that do that regularly. Um, I take vitamin D as um as an oral you know liquid droplet, and I take liposomal vitamin C as a liquid uh, every day. I don't take zinc every day, but I I do take it often. Um, and uh, yeah, I also am, I also am currently taking a low histamine probiotic. Um, it's too soon to you know say anything about what it's doing for me, but I am. Um, if you're histamine intolerant, just side note: um, a low histamine probiotic is a nice class of probiotic to explore. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So I do those things too. Anyway, okay. Cool. Yeah. Um. All right. So I have a list of things it's a great list (laughs) (laughs) i have a list um i wrote a pretty extensive blog post i also you know have experimented a lot with children so this is this is the symposium on immune support (laughs) and what i do when my kids get sick okay i will try to link to everything in the show notes. Also, please make sure to discuss this with a trusted medical practitioner. I am in no way, shape, or form telling you to give all your kids, you know, all the things that I do. This is just what I do. So I'm going to start general and then move to specifics. The first general thing, and Stephanie, since she's touched on a couple of these things, I'll just go quickly. Uh, The first thing that you can do is incorporate probiotic foods and probiotic supplements. So why Stephanie said that is your gut is home to 70% of your immune system. So by supporting a diverse gut microbiome, you are supporting your immune system. And this is why diet can be so impactful when it comes to chronic disease and long-term immune function. Because it's providing your body with the necessary nutrients to function, But also, it's helping to support, like, your whole entire gut function and regulate the immune system. So your immune system is what allows your body to fight all viruses, all infections, uh, things like cancer. I mean, everything. So your, your gut health is your health. So this is why research in general, but also holistic practitioners are, like, always talking about the gut. Okay? Your gut health is your health. Reduce, and uh, number two is reduce and eliminate potentially problematic foods. This is like a little excerpt from our book. But certain foods can negatively impact gut health and actually suppress your immune system. So studies have shown that refined sugar can actually suppress your immune system, uh, a particular part of your immune system called phagocytes. So phagocytes actually work to destroy particles like bacteria that could infect the hosts. Additionally, high refined and like just processed foods in general. So processed sugar and grains and vegetable oils can cause inflammation in the gut and leave you more susceptible to getting sick. So when you are eating a really crappy diet with highly processed foods and things are irritating your gut and you've got some inflammation in there, your immune system is, you're, you're not going to be able to 
uh, go after or attack those invading viruses or pathogens that your body might be able to quickly take care of and move on with, um, or you can move on <laughs> with your life, um, because it's sort of overstimulated and you, you're, it's dealing with all the inflammation. Number three, <laughs> vitamin C and zinc, uh, two critical nutrients. I do liposomal as well, um, and I do that daily. I don't do zinc daily, so Steph and I are literally like, check, check, right right, right in line on that. Um, so there's a lot of studies on this. A randomized, I'm just going to highlight a few, because we there is so much literature on what we can do both just with natural approaches and specific nutrients to support the immune system. It's crazy. So one of the ones on uh, vitamin C, a randomized controlled five-year trial. This is like pretty good. Five-year trial found that vitamin C supplementation significantly reduced the frequency of colds. A large meta-analysis in 2013 involving over 11,000 participants found that in adults, the duration of colds was reduced anywhere from 3 to 12 percent, and in children, 7 to 21 percent. In children, 1 to 2 grams of vitamin C a day shorten colds by 18 percent. So that 1 to 2 grams a day is kind of a high dose, but that's when your kid would get sick. So vitamin C shorten colds by 18 percent. The severity of colds was also reduced by vitamin C administration. And then for zinc, um, zinc is an essential trace mineral that is crucial for growth development and the maintenance of immune function. Zinc treatment applied at a therapeutic dose and in the right form has the potential to drastically improve the clearance of both chronic and acute viral infections, as well as their accompanying pathogens and symptoms. That was a direct quote from a, a research study all about zinc and it's how it supports the immune system. So I'm going to get to exactly... So I take vitamin C daily. My kids take vitamin C daily. Um, not a high dose, but I do do a liposomal packet. Ever, I'm going to say it right now. Ever since I have started doing a liposomal vitamin C daily, about, about a gram... I have not gotten a fever. <laughs> I And when I get sick, I've gotten sick many times over the last year. It's always very short, very quick, and a few days. Um, because I pick up a ton of colds from... Uh, my kids are in, in the sick stage. So I we occasionally pick up stuff from them. But it is nothing like what they get. I've never gotten a fever. And I've never gotten, um, like, knocked down sick. Which I got knocked down sick so many times. Mostly, it's it's terrible for it. I'm sure a lot of you can relate. When you are sleep deprived and you're in that postpartum period with both kids, I came down with a month-long horrible sickness. Luckily, neither of my newborn babies got sick, but I was so sick in the postpartum period, and then I would constantly and chronically get sick. I don't know if my mastitis infections had something to do with that, because I do know that stress and lack of sleep leaves you more susceptible to infection. So, you know, I had mastitis eight times. I was just sick all the time um, in that first year postpartum. I started taking the liposomal, and like everything cleared up. Um, just my personal experience with sleep. Sleep and the circadian system uh, exert a strong regulatory influence on immune function. So studies actually show that people who don't get quality sleep or enough sleep are more likely to get sick after being exposed to a virus. You're the same amount of people. When you're exposed to a virus, if you are sleep deprived, you are more susceptible to getting sick. 
and therefore more susceptible to spreading it. Okay, number five exercise. So a study conducted by Appalachian State University found that simply going for a short walk instantly boosts immune parameters, most notably neutrophils and then natural blood um natural killer blood cell counts. There was actually one study, too, in 2008 that revealed that consistent exercise significantly reduces susceptibility to viral infections. So this really, I mean, there is so much research on exercise and how it relates to, I mean, improves all biomarkers of health, not just like your weight, right? We think of exercise as something that improves weight. (laughs) But the research shows that, or like, that's what people exercise for. Well, I want to lose weight. And that's what the fitness industry has created when, you know, this narrative around exercise. But when it comes down to it and all the literature about exercise, it is just countless studies that show, you know, exercise improves immune function and your susceptibility to getting sick, uh, respiratory health, your metabolic function, you know, your heart, how hard, like insulin sensitivity, all these things. And there's also been, there was already a, a study about how it relates to, you know, the big C-19 respiratory virus. A study tracking exercise habits of nearly 50,000 C-19 patients found that people who were consistently inactive for two plus years prior to infection were two and a half times more likely to die than people who were who had consistently exercised. And that actually makes exercise one of the biggest risk factors for C-19 death, which I think is huge. And not really anybody's talking about it, of course. Media doesn't because they can't make money from that. But, you know, people are, you know, holistic but practitioners are. And I think that that's something we need to be talking about more um, because movement and exercise can save your life. Um, okay, six, sunshine and vitamin D. Uh, research has found that vitamin D supplementation significantly reduces your risk of experiencing cold and flu and upper respiratory tract infections. A common underlying deficiency that Steph and I have talked about is with chronic disease is vitamin D3 deficiency. Um, number seven, don't smoke. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Number eight, diets rich in antioxidants. You know, antioxidants are very supportive for for overall like bodily function and immune function. So leafy greens, fruits, high quality fats. That's what Steph was talking about. Um, one thing that I like to do, this is my last tip, is I like to strength. So with my kid, Stella gets sick. It's very normal for kids to get sick when they first go to school every three to four weeks. They'll come down with the cred or just a cold or the flu or whatever, right? And stomach flu. Gosh, the worst. I've already been there, done that. And I was finding that my oldest would, she when she goes down, she goes down hard. It is up all night. It is coughing. It's fevers that last, you know, three, four days. And I wanted to support her more. So in, in, I talked to my practitioner and what I use for her now is something called an immune fortifier by Herb Farm. And I've heard Megan Garcia talk about this as well, who I've interviewed on this podcast. 
Um, but it's a blend of antiviral herbs like astragalus that can help stimulate and strengthen the immune system, which can then prevent infections from developing. But you stop it immediately at the first sign of sickness. So it's a, an immune stimulant, which strengthens it. But you do not want to give that when your kid actually gets sick. So we do immune fortifier daily for our kids. We do vitamin C daily for our kids. A bonus tip, air purifier. So an air purifier, of course, I love my Allen's. Um, with a true HEPA carbon filter will help you breathe easier and keep your home free of viruses and bacteria. So when people are coming in and out and bringing things, that'll be cleared right out of the air. Allen.com slash well-fed, I think. You can still get our 10% off discount. Um, okay, so when you get sick, I what I do, I do a number of things. I'm not going to talk about them all, but I will say there are a couple things that I think are really important. High-dose vitamin C, so I up the dose of vitamin C. I immediately do zinc lozenges. So you want to be able to suck on that zinc lozenge so that the zinc actually coats your throat and you can stop the back, like the virus from going down into your chest. Zinc lozenge, um, high-dose vitamin C, liposomal vitamin C. I take it usually three to four times a day. There is a supplement called Gaia Herbs Quick Defense. It has a combination of echinacea and elderberry extract. They have it for kids and adults. I take that at the first sign of sickness for both of us. Uh, echinacea is a source of potent antivirals for respiratory virus infections. Studies on echinacea have shown that there are multiple beneficial actions in the treatment of viral respiratory infections, which could reduce the amount of prevailing viable virus and their transmission and also lead to improvement in, of virus-induced symptoms. Um, there's been a plethora of research on, including double-blind placebos, on elderberry extract about how it significantly reduces the duration of colds and flu. I also use Gaia Herbs elderberry syrup. So a Gaia Herbs quick defense, Gaia Herbs elderberry syrup, high-dose vitamin C, zinc. I do have liposomal zinc drops for my kids as well that, that I only bring out when they're sick. Um, I Mary Ruth's is the brand. And then reduce processed foods, up your intake of bone broth and soups, sleep and rest. This is not the time to exercise. <laughs> um, sleep and rest. Kids need to get sleep. Kids need to rest. If you need a humidifier, do that. That'll help, you know, soften and, and reduce irritation. Um, sometimes I have a little bit of a, like a cough medicine or something that will help clear up some of that will prevent things from getting like stuck in the chest. I do do like a vapor rub, um, not a vapor rub. It's that's the old brand Vicks. It's like a, a more natural Vicks. Um, that is just like a blend of some peppermint and stuff like that that will help release because you really don't want it to get stuck in your kid's chest. You want it to kind of free up. So that's all the things that I do. I think our greatest susceptibility um, in our country is our poor state of health. It is literally the number one thing and the root of all sickness. The Journal of American Medical Association disclosed that poor diet is the number one cause of our nation's chronic disease. Um, but, you know, that's that's what we talk about, not necessarily the media, but that's what that's what we talk about here. And I think that that plays such a huge role. So in other words, you when you are supporting you and your family's health with these, you know, we know so much about health behaviors um, and a healthy lifestyle and how that supports your immune function. So don't, you know, be fearful Um make sure that you have some of this stuff on hand. There is another uh, pediatrician I absolutely love, um, Elsa Song. 
I will link to her Instagram in the show notes. She's got a lot of recommendations and like a complete, I did her, um, one of her tutorials once or like, maybe not a tutorial, whatever it's called, like a online virtual class on supporting kids through sickness. And that was really helpful. So I'll link to her as well, because I think that that was really um, insightful. So anything else from you? No, I thought that was great. And while you were talking, I opened up my phone to search for the Gaia Herbs Quick Defense, and I'm going to buy it today. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth it. Question number three is from Donica. She says, ways to freeze food without plastic. Affordable options, please. Do you freeze food? uh, I buy a lot of food that's already frozen. Okay. (laughs) Um, No, it's funny. When I see like domestic tips questions every once in a while I'll have something to say but most of the time I'm like even if I did extensive research I would not even come close to the level of experience and expertise Noel has so please please go <laughs> domestic ahead. Uh, domestic questions <laughs> y'all I just use glass I know it's not you're not supposed to freeze in glass but if you have like stackable I use the OXO stackable glass containers when I am storing food and um, mostly liquids. So there's actually glass le parfait jars. They're French and they're like rub it sealable gasket jars. Um, that's how I store my soup. One and a half liter jars. Anytime I make big batches of bone broth, I will use le parfait jars. I can't say it without, I can't say le parfait. Um, I will use those jars, those large jars, and I will sometimes use OXO glass containers. But really, what I love by far is the Stasher silicone bags. They seal. It um, is freezer friendly. You can throw a whole pound or two of meatballs in these one-gallon silicone bags. You can throw that silicone bag in hot water or the microwave lay it out, and it brings it back to room temp. I mean, it's perfect. It does everything. It freezes. It can be heated. You can throw it in hot water. Invest in some of those. Ask for some for Christmas. I have like five quart bags and five gallon bags, and now I just, oh, we always have some on hand. We bought a few extra when we were trying to store meals away once I had Maverick, before I had Maverick. Um, So we have, you know, five and five, and that seems to do what we need it to do. Like, I don't ever need, you know, I don't ever have that much time on my hands where I'm freezing, you know, four separate meals. But I always will double meals and I'll always freeze, you know, the other half of that meal and put it in the freezer in a stasher bag so that we have a quick meal when we're short on time. Um, All right. The last question is from Cassidy. What and I will link to the stasher bags in the show notes. Question number four. What is the best way to detox? This is hard because I feel like we need to be quick and I, <laughs> no, we don't, I mean, you don't, don't need to, to be quick, to but cook, yeah. um, we're done after this. So. There is, there is so much, there is, there is so much um, to say about uh, detoxing. So I think the most important thing to do is to support your liver. Uh, your liver is your body's natural detox organ. Uh, and so something you want to do is um, support your liver. Um, two other things that are really important that I'll touch on after talking about the liver are supporting methylation broadly. Uh, happens big time in the liver, but everywhere. Um, support methylation and also reduce um, inflammation uh, because inflammation is, yeah, not our fave. So uh, of course, also you want to, you might want to uh, avoid 
foods that you think might bother you. Step number one. Okay. Uh, and I would recommend if you haven't already done it previously going or recently, <laughs> um, going through a quick, uh, elimination diet, such as the one elimination plan, elimination, something, um, such as the one described in our book, Coconuts and Kettlebells, uh, to figure out, uh, to see if uh, grains and dairy, the extent to which they may be disruptive to you, and also uh, to eliminate seed oils and sugar. So seed oils and sugar, uh, I would not recommend uh, as a part of a, if you want to quote unquote, go through some sort of detox. Uh, grains and dairy, I would include to the extent that you know they may or may not bother you. Uh, and then focus a lot on things to include, right? Uh, healthful eating, in my opinion, is both about what you're including and what you're excluding. So um, big powerhouse foods that will support your liver and the methylation processes that I'll talk about. Um, Choline is huge, which is in eggs, it's in liver, it's in caviar and uh, roe, uh, is also in beef and chicken breast. Um, broccoli has the most choline of, of greens, a uh, big fan of broccoli. Uh, and of course, eat fat with your veggies. Uh, it's very helpful for absorbing a lot of fat-soluble vitamins if you have fat with your veggies, which is why salad dressing is uh, really, really great. I'm a huge fan of uh, monosaturated fats, especially uh, really extra virgin, refined, cold-pressed olive oils that are high in polyphenols and, and that sort of thing. Um, in terms of supporting your methylation cycle, okay, so one of the body's most powerful antioxidants, it's sometimes called the master antioxidant, is um, glutathione. And glutathione is um, really important. Uh, it's it's used by the liver to detox many uh, toxins. It neutralizes free radicals. And interestingly, it recharges other uh, antioxidants so that they can continue to function as antioxidants. Because... Um, the way that it, molecules always carry some kind of charge to them, uh, and you can pick up a free radical, and then and then and then you're done. And so, what glutathione does is make it possible for other antioxidants to pick up more free radicals. So, glutathione is just uh, really, really important, um, and. Uh, it's made out of uh, cysteine and glycine and glutamic acid. Um, glutamic acid is pretty, all of these things are kind of um, abundant. Uh, glycine, interestingly enough, is an amino acid that you will often read is as being like abundant in meats. Um, it's actually much more abundant in skins, bones, connective tissues, and it needs to be in balance with methionine. Um, uh, in in the body, and methionine is is actually a more abundant in muscle meats, and so I try really hard to tip my protein consumption towards collagen and towards organ meats and towards uh, things that just aren't plain muscle meat uh, as much as I can, um, and I also supplement with glycine at night. Um, cysteine uh, also is uh, great and important, um, and is available in uh, in the diet, but also um, you can supplement with it. So then, right, so glutamic acid, reasonably abundant, uh, glycine, kind of depending, and then cysteine, some people take N-acetylcysteine, uh, which provides that cysteine group for your body to, um, to make glutathione. Uh, so that's um, 
yeah, so that's a thing and very helpful uh, for helping your body do detoxing stuff. In terms of supporting the methylation processes um, and detox further, um, it's, well, a lot of what I've said is is, is already, um, already on the way there. Um, one molecule that's really important for the methylation process, which is basically adding a methyl group to stuff, <laughs> uh, which totally changes the chemical composition and helps your body get rid of things that, right, you take something that might be harmful, you add a methyl group, okay, uh, maybe maybe not so harmful, um, can be secreted, can be dealt with, right? So you want to be able to um, methylate easily. Um, a very important molecule for this is uh, often called SAM-E. Uh, it's a uh, adeno. It's uh, I'm trying to remember adeno, uh, adenosylmethionine, something like that. Um, and this is turned on by folate, and folate is great. Um, folate is really, really great. Uh, you can supplement with folate. Um, folate is found in uh, foods. Uh, we like high B vitamin uh, organ meats, especially for this sort of thing. Uh, also in leafy greens, but you want to make sure that you know you eat them with fat, and also that your body um, can make can activate it and turn it to Sam E. And so folate, very important get from foods or perhaps a supplement in which it is folate, like active folate, uh, not folic acid, two very, very different things. You could also try a B-complex, um, which contains folate uh, and might also contain other important B vitamins for this process um, in the methyl form. So um, not just vitamin B12, but methylcobalamin, right? And that will sort of make it more uh, easy for your body to pick up and use in this process. Um, other important nutrients for it are uh, magnesium, uh, which is great. I, I take magnesium every night, every night without fail, magnesium 308, uh, sometimes other kinds of magnesium, uh, and uh, vitamin D, and probiotics. And uh, I like anti-inflammatory stuff a lot. I'm really, really big. If you've, we've, I've started talking about it a lot in the last few weeks. I'm really big on anti-inflammatory herbs and spices. Um, turmeric and ginger and uh, raw garlic are great. Um, there's an, a supplement called quercetin that can also um, be helpful in these kind of anti-inflammatory processes. If you don't like, to, if you don't like eating liver, you can take a desiccated liver supplement, um, which I do sometimes. And uh, that's a lot of stuff. Hello. Cool. Um, okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, I, okay. Yay. Was that coherent? I yeah, no, it's good. I'm like, am I organizing this? Okay, great. Well, Go here's team. the All thing. Right. So uh, what I will say is that I think a lot of, a lot of people, like, can you hear me? Yes. I had a weird beep. Okay. Gosh, Lord help us. <laughs> yeah, I Jesus come. Okay. <laughs> Jesus come. Okay. So uh, I think a lot of things that um, you see on the internet are this shake is going to help you detox or, you know, whatever. This product, this lemon water, you know, lemon water this dandelion root is going to help you detox. It, it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, we see a lot of detox diets. They're usually like, they're not 
like targeted towards any particular set of symptoms. They're really just marketed to people who feel guilty about what they ate last night or want to lose weight or think that the reason they haven't lost weight or they're, you know, told this is that their liver is congested or their, you know, like their toxins stuck in their skin or their hair or their colon which is not actually a thing. Like, that doesn't happen. There's no evidence that toxins get stuck in your colon. But I think that um, while I think that, you know, detox is well, we, we, and we've kind of ranted about this before, about how the word detox is, is just overused and it really is a marketing term. Your organs, you know, they do this for you, that you have a built-in detoxification mechanism known as your liver and your kidneys and your gut plays a big role in that too. And so there are ways that you can support your liver and and healthy gut function. See, you know, rest the earlier parts of this um, podcast, but like, so I'm not saying there aren't ways that you can support detoxification, but you don't need to take a product or a shake or something, and that's going to be what detoxes your body. You have organs that do that for you. Like, you, there are a lot of natural things that you can do that just support your body. For example, exercise. <laughs> I'm going to get on that train again. I won't. But, like, exercise and sweat, really great for detoxifying your body, for improving lymphatic flow. So the lymphatic system is a network of tissue and organs that help to rid the body of toxins and waste. And so it's helpful to, you know, exercise and help flush out lymphatic fluid. Um and I do think that if you have a heavy metal toxicity or you have something that your body, you need to help your body rid itself of, which is like a parasite, think that that, like you need metal su- medical support to help your body cleanse those things, right? And that has to be done in a very intentional way. Um, but in general, Stephanie describing the very complex detoxification mechanisms that are built into our bodies goes to show how many things are needed. There are tons of little things needed throughout the methylation process, and I don't to pretend to know anything about anything when it comes to methylation because it is very confusing. And anytime you try to understand it, you just get lost in these funnels and what's this and this has to be methylated and then go into this funnel, and it's just a lot. Um, but I do know that a lot of things are involved with that, and we do know that things like folate are really important to turn certain genes on so that things can be properly methylated and excreted because what you don't want is your body not operating properly and not excreting things that are toxic to your body. We are exposed to toxins through the air, through water, through our food. You know, it's just, we live in a toxic world. There's no way around it. We're going to have things enter our body that should not be there. And our liver and our kidneys and our gut help to get them out. And so we have to support our health in a certain, you know, in that way to make sure that things are being properly methylated and properly excreted because even so, you know, you can have problems with your gut where you you're reabsorbing estrogen and not actually excreting it, right? So I think a lot of people who talk about um detox or like you're, it's you got to detox your estrogen. You know that's the thing. A de- an estrogen cleanse, detoxific, you know, hormone cleanse. Um, anyway, I liked the tips about supporting your liver from Stephanie. Um, I'll add to that: avoid or limit alcohol. So alcohol does put a big strain on your liver and impairs normal function. 
There are a lot of nutrients. This is why we talk a lot about leafy greens and cruciferous vegetables and sulfur-rich foods like pasture-raised eggs and onions and kale and broccoli. All of this stuff helps your body methylate. It helps support proper liver function. Um, heme iron, so animal-sourced iron, grass-fed meats and organ meats are all really important for detoxification. Um, there's a supplement that I think that you could potentially experiment with, milk thistle. Um, you can just take it as a herb, like as just a, a regular supplement to help um, stimulate liver detoxification pathways, regenerate um, liver tissue. Just again, that's something that's done as a supplement, not as a detoxification treatment. Um, and then support your gut. So do all the things that we talked about before, like removing inflammatory foods and adding in foods that nourish the gut. And then making sure that you're not dealing with some underlying gut infections. So we know gut infections um, can cause IBS and chronic you know, bloating and stuff like that. So if you're dealing with chronic digestive issues like bloating and you're not pooping and you're constipated, you're not excreting your estrogen. You're not going to be excreting the things that you need to excrete. And some of that can be reabsorbed. So, and then of course, reduce stress. So stress can obviously inhibit digestive enzymes and it can increase intestinal permeability, which is going to negatively impact your gut and you're going to reabsorb things. So that's all I got. Do you have anything else to say, Steph? No, I don't. That was great. Thank you. For more from me, you can go to coconutsandkettleballs.com. I am Coconuts and Kettleballs on Instagram. For more from Stephanie, at stephanie.rupers, where I'm seeing all the fashion stuff. So go follow her. Um, thank you guys for being here. We love you so much. We will talk to you next week. Bye.